0: welcome to cooper talk i'm your host steve cooper and remember i'm only as hip as my guest and i have to tell you people i saw something today on the today show and i i don't really joanne likes the today show i like i don't really like matt lauer but i watch it you know because it's just it's not even like when i was younger the today show was news but now it's just a bunch of crap but they had some of these people are, are they're, pro- they're protesting and are up on arms because target has a t-shirt that says trophy signifying maybe trophy wife or whatever and they're selling it in like a kid's department and stuff like that and these people are so irritated and i don't get it i mean honestly it's a t-shirt it's the same place i mean people give trophies to kids for anything now when yeah. i was little you know honestly you maybe if you were in the little league you got a little 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 like a trophy that was like like, like a hummel figure yeah. and you got that said the, you know you were in the league but if you won you got a big trophy so it just cracks me up that people sit there and they will sit there and just complain over a t-shirt that says trophy it doesn't mean anything i mean if i was a trophy wife i'd be happy i was a trophy wife i look great and i don't have to yeah. work so if you're gonna go buy the shirt buy it, and don't just don't protest just don't protest that's
1: Well, can't it. you be a trophy husband too i guess sure. but absolutely I, I'm, that's I what wish, i am
0: but i have two trophy yeah. husbands here we have a mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm you know this is gonna be a good interview i because I'm, I'm interviewing two gentlemen who are both have very uh great resumes in comedy i mean they've been around and they've been The Tonight Show and Fireside Theater and just, I mean, just so much stuff. And it's going to be hard to balance these guys because, I mean, I'm pretty good comedically, but not these guys, I'm a nimwit. next <laughs> We're going to these make guys.
2: you so hip today, Steve. <laughs> you won't be able to stand yourself. We have a... You won't be able to go home tonight. And that's
0: that's
1: Jamie hey, we've been Alcroft. In comedy. We've been in comedy so long, you're going to be hep.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're going to be a hep cat, man. <laughs> the hip.
0: Brock. Yeah, it's hip. Jamie Alcroft. That's David right, Jamie Alcroft and Phil, Phil Proctor. Proctor. It's good to have you guys. I, I know you. we uh, contacted them on Facebook, and yep. it's like anything. We know, you know, people yeah. on Facebook become friends. And I, I had known you from back in your comedy uh, troop days, well, not troop team. Best which...
2: friends. Did we ever work together?
0: No, I just I knew no. of you, and, and well, you know, I knew Philip. Yeah. I just, you know, what is funny? I and when I looked you up, I saw all your resume. But yeah. when Facebook, a lot of times is they'll suggest a friend, and then if you have like fifty friends in common. Yeah. You usually add that person. That's right. But I do now and like and I said, okay, well, I'm gonna look at these guys and I knew of you and I knew of you, but I yeah. didn't you know I didn't know you guys and we become friends and that's the thing on Facebook. I mean, you guys must get because your your careers. You must get a lot of weird, like a lot of do a lot of young comics ask for your uh, input. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of right. old comics.
0: Okay, ask for
1: my input. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you still doing it? <laughs> you still <laughs> Can do. It. You
0: still put and, it out. You know. But most
2: of the friends that are suggested to me on Facebook are dead. Right. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. That, you have that even if you friends. die, you don't disappear on that's Facebook. That's right. Have you Isn't noticed that scary? That, that, that is in, so in
0: bizarre. In
1: cyberspace. They live forever.
0: Yeah. Well, that that freaks me out when I sometimes will sit there and I'll get a uh, birthday thing. And I go, wait a second, because I'm thinking, okay, if I die, I'm going to have my girlfriend go on the Facebook. I mean, we just became friends uh, on Facebook because I was like, you're my girlfriend. I don't I don't need you to be friends with me on Facebook. But she wanted to share something. So I she said, can we share this for a company? She started. I said, yeah. But if if I die, I would want her to go in and like deactivate my account. Yeah, expunge you, know,
1: you. Or or you can have a death day card.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah.
1: Happy, you know, Happy, death day. Happy death day. Because they do that. They they'll post something like you know uh, say uh, you know Daniel Boone died on this day and and I because I, I, I'm so old I sometimes forget right. so I say oh my God Daniel Boone died God I, know? Did not, I didn't know I did I did not send him yeah. a card that was three years ago and I forgot you know yeah uh, so so that's annoying. You know, now, ideas.
0: I want to I ask both you guys, and we're going to take this one by one. Now I know we talked earlier, Jamie, about how you got in the comedy sure. when you, uh, you were a, a, a DJ. I
2: was a DJ in Key West, Florida. And who did you Wonderful sleep with? Wonderful Key West, Florida. I was a morning guy, so I was on from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., which is when most people in Key West got home in those right. days. <laughs> yeah, they were just rolling in. I mean, I'm not saying that they used a lot of cocaine, but they enjoyed the smell. Right. And uh, <laughs> they would be rolling in, you know, and they'd request like ACDC. Yeah, at eight fifteen. Right. right he basically cdc for us man we're in the car we're just partying well,
1: you know why it you was that, that they like coke down in
0: key west because they missed the snow
1: that's
2: right exactly. they missed right?
1: it they missed it that's
0: right. now now was. did you always want to get in the comedy were you always a comedy fan what made you end up becoming a dj yeah he
2: will uh i couldn't hold a job no i actually i was a jeweler in key west i'll try to make this story as long as possible good and um and one of the funniest things that happened to me when I was a jeweler in Key West is Paul Lynn came into my store one day and I had a belt buckle in the case and he said, oh, I love that buckle. <laughs> and I, in his voice, I pulled it out and I showed it to him. I said, I call it my quick release. Yeah. he said, oh, 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 how much is it? And I said, 350 I said, you just push that turquoise in the middle and the belt buckle pops open. He said, oh, that's perfect for me. I said, I thought it would be. So <laughs> then at that point, from that point on, every time he got a new boyfriend, he just pop his head in the store, and he'd go, Jamie, need another buckle. i go, quick release. Said, you betcha. <laughs> so I started setting him up with guys, yeah. because every he time he got a new boyfriend, side. it was 3 dollars three, 350 350. for me. Right, yeah, three right. hundred fifty
1: bucks. 50
2: And um, so anyway, I used to stay up late at night working on jewelry, and there was this wonderful radio station down there, and this great DJ, Bobby Keller, who played the greatest music. He's up at... Uh, the Eagle in Sacramento now. And uh, so I went into the radio station one day. And I said, you know, your music's great, but your commercials just suck. And I do voices and impressions, and I'd like to help you with your commercials. And they said, great. Can you start tomorrow? I said, uh, oh, yeah. Right. I said, well, be here at 5 o'clock. We'll run you through the board. I said, what do you mean 5 o'clock? And he said, well, <laughs> you're our new morning guy. He said, if you're going to be in charge of production, yeah. you're the morning guy. So when you get off at 10 o'clock, you do production. I said, nope. well, oh, well, yeah, oh, okay. OK, so I started the as the morning guy. And he did said, oh, oh,
1: cocaine. Two yeah. and a half years. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, cocaine. I didn't.
2: No. Um, no, you couldn't. Cuban coffee. The, ah, bus- the yeah, Bustelo, Cuban man. Coffee. The Cuban coffee kept you going now, in the keep morning. You going. You Woo! And uh, I would be sitting next to myself doing radio. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, I got off the air one day and there was a note for me. Said, you must be one of the funniest men in Key West. I'm the other one. And it was from a guy named Mac Dryden. And Mac and I got together, and we were Mac and Jamie for
0: the next 40 years. So that's how you got It's very weird, because you sort of just stepped into it. I mean, basically, it's yeah. you know, it was just something that right place at the right time. If it right place,
2: to- right time. He uh, he wanted to do a live show, as did I, in town. So we did this comedy review. And then a, a gold girlfriend of his called him from... Fort Lauderdale and said, you know, I'm working at the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale and there's all these comics like I,
0: I Paul, there.
2: Paul Reeser oh, yeah? and Jerry Seinfarb and right. uh, Rick Overblom, <laughs> and, and <laughs> we're coming in and they said and she said, and you're just as funny as they are. So we would travel every Thursday five hours
1: to Fort Lauderdale from Key West. See, he didn't know when he connected with Dryden that he'd be driving. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. much, right?
0: so that's how you got in. Now, how did you get into it? Because you went, you how went, I you were. I mean, were, did you always want to be funny? Because I know you went to you know, and Fireside Theater was more of a sketch troupe. I mean, back well, before.
1: Yeah. I see. I was I was born in Goshen, Indiana, uh, of Amish Irish ancestry, and I was born with the ability to hear and repeat music and and sounds. Uh, voices the dialects and when I was a baby uh, my grandfather was singing some Christian hymn to me probably onward Christian soldiers marching as to war and uh, I hummed it back to him when I was just a little baby in the crib so he brought me downstairs and I repeated the same gag for my relatives and I, I jokingly say that was the last time I ever worked for free But Mm -hmm. I had that ability. My entire family had that ability. There was always singing and harmonizing going on in our family and musical instruments. And I ended up playing the violin. Uh, And uh, so I had this gift for performance from the very beginning. And I felt very, very natural doing it. I felt extremely happy and natural when I was on stage. Yeah. And and that ability to you know I wasn't I wasn't exactly the class clown but I was close to it you know I could make people laugh I used my uh, my comedy to protect me when I got in dangerous situations because I grew up in New York eventually and uh, once a gang approached me and I was in my little school uniform with my little book bag going to Allen Stevenson School, where I played in the Allen Stevenson School Orchestra and sang in the chorus and did female leads in the Gilbert and Sullivan shows, right? And these, this tough gang on East 94th Street was ready to beat me up and rough me up, so I started talking the way they did. You know, I said, hey, they got me in this sissy school, you know, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. blah. I got him laughing. I disarmed him, and I sauntered away. And the
2: guy and... said, Day I saw you in Pirates of Penzance last <laughs> week. You you're, pretty, pretty. you're pretty. You're yeah, pretty. you're very not attractive. only you're pretty
1: good, you're attractive when you're in yeah. a skate, Let yeah. me tell you. So, you know, I knew I, I I used my my comedy and my chops to really uh, enhance my life to survive, to sur- and to survive indeed to survive. And and I didn't really fall into the recording industry. Uh, until I met with the Firesign Theater, which was many, many, many years later. But I had, uh, I I recorded all the Bob and Ray shows. They were my heroes, Bob and Ray on the radio. They were the best back in the 50s in New York. And also Ernie Kovacs on television. And my dad was involved. He was an entrepreneur. He was a lawyer, but an entrepreneur. And he'd bring new inventions in to show us, because he was looking for investors. First Polaroid camera. He brought in mm. uh, and we, and we uh, took dirty pictures but, and uh, mm-hmm. and then actually the the promotion for the Polaroid camera was this the Polaroid filter and it was a picture of a girl and when you put the filter over it she was naked.
0: Right, see, that's like those lighters. Remember yeah, you yeah, turn yeah. them upside down? Yeah, yeah right, the, right the lighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So, so in a sense, they were going like, "Ooh, pull the right camera, take your own pictures, whatever you want." And I actually came across a stash of pictures my parents had taken of themselves. Oh my God! Oh that no, was, that was traumatic. <laughs> that and is traumatic. That'll oh. keep you off of sex Ooh, for years. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, it didn't. But anyway, uh, uh, so uh, yeah, so I would re- I would record these things and I would edit tapes. And I was into sound. I was into mm-hmm. sound and, and loved it. And then I got into, I got a Super 8 camera and I started uh, doing movies and editing movies and stuff like that. So I was always playing around with, with mixed media. But my voice and, and my presence on stage was the easiest thing to do. Nothing between me and Mm -hmm. the presentation, Mm -hmm. and I could do it whenever, you know, I I was asked to. So I got on a television show called Uncle Danny Reads the Funnies on WPIX TV, uh, along with Elliot Gould. He was one of the kids on that show, and we would basically read the funnies on on the air uh, in a little studio at Dumont Studios, WPIX TV, and improvise.
2: Wow, did, did Elliot Gould have jowls as a child? Yeah, I think he did. I know. Did. It's, I'm just was thinking.
0: He, it's like I'm thinking, thinking he, of little Elliot Gould because yeah, I, I, I no, watched right, Ray Donovan. Yeah. I watched Ray Donovan. You right. think yeah. Elliot Gould doing improv and comedy. Yeah. And yeah. You, you know, I mean, he was, he was a good comedic actor. But now, when you see him, you go, Wait, did he have the same hair? Because the guy's had the same hair. Forever. No, yeah. They
1: always, he, everybody he had, had more
0: hair. He had <laughs> he five obviously. o'clock
2: shadow in kindergarten. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah, we just we just met John
1: Voight up at the deli where we had a business meeting with Frazier Smith. Who does a show on KLOS, and I think we're going to be creating a a little uh, radio series, space adventures, space adventures, uh, Frazier, Captain Phrase against uh, Cap, Captain Phrase uh, conquers, conquers the, the unknown e- universe. universe, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so I, I was always. Uh, offered opportunities to play in show business and professional show business. And I was offered opportunities to understudy people like Brandon DeWilda and Mrs. McThing on Broadway, which I stupidly turned down. I could have had a really interesting career as a child actor. But uh, believe it or not, with all these the, the fun and the talent that I had, I was shy. I was socially shy. So I kind of uh, uh, pulled back in certain ways and, and got a, an education and ended up at Yale where I went because I knew they had a great drama school and I figured okay well you know I' I'll, I'll uh, at least I'll be able to do to see if I've got the chops to to do this professionally uh, and I studied Russian there and my first year I went with the Yale Russian chorus to the Soviet Union okay. in 1959 so it was there <inaudible> so I can speak Russian now I already had, had mastered French because again I can hear and repeat see. Uh, so I speak seven languages now and and that was like fun and a hobby for me as well uh, and and to be able to combine my singing talents with uh, my my linguistic abilities was just a dream for an 18 year old kid mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and so I, I I pursued this until it became obvious I was going to be an actor because I was constantly working in the drama school they, they cast me and stuff and in the Dramat the Dramat when I went to school was Sam Waterston, John Badham, Peter Hunt, Richard Maltby, uh, Skip Hennett, Tom Ligon. Uh, some names you'll know, some some you won't. But uh, it was an extraordinary combination of talent. Victor Miller, another guy who wrote, my God, he wrote the first uh, slasher film, okay. you know, I think, ha- uh, Halloween or something like mm. that. I mean, it was an amazing confluence of, of great of great talent. And the, the drama school was insanely jealous of us and we you know, like, like mirroring uh, our approach to theater, which was much more loosey-goosey than the drama school was. Because the drama school was based on that uh, time of taking an actor, and actors came from all over the country, stripping them down, To nothing and then rebuilding their persona
0: So you guys had your own your own little angle you were going to
1: our angle was where's your personality and what's unique about you and how can you parlay this into creating characters and in involving an audience in what
0: that's interesting cuz cuz you for us a few Jamie for your but you and Mac it was Mm -hmm. you guys had a different angle going into... I mean, there wasn't a lot of comedy teams back then. I mean, I no, no, there was, there no, was the, the the Funny Boys, I think. No, no, they uh,
2: weren't even around yet. Yeah, so, I mean... It was Buddy and Bobby in New York and uh, the Smothers Brothers. And, ooh, gosh. Not they, many. I, that's not many. No, I want
0: to talk about your careers more, but I want to figure out how you guys together for your latest project and i okay. will go back because oh, it's very I interesting want,
1: i just want to say one thing about yale that's where i met peter bergman yeah. okay this is
2: an interesting story tell him how you read okay reunited okay
1: I, I met peter bergman, bergman uh, at
2: Yale. now that i'm running the interview yeah okay yeah. okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he uh, thanks steve yeah and he uh uh he wrote the lyrics for two musicals that i starred in tom jones and booth is back in town which is about the booth family and uh and then uh, peter and i went our separate ways because he was in class of 61 i was in a class of 62. Uh, and he showed up in New York one day in an army uniform, playing the guitar and singing wobbly songs, singing labor, old labor songs mm-hmm. and great, fine. Off he goes. Uh, he has a whole different careers in Germany, writing, making movies, all this crazy career. And, and I ended up out on the West coast doing a musical, uh, called the Amorous Flea that we, that I won a theater world award for in New York. So I'm on my career path. He's on his, uh, I came out. I went back and closed up my apartment. I did a Broadway show and another Broadway show. Met Brandon DeWilda again, understudied Brandon DeWilde, who I was supposed to understudy when I was a kid actor. We became the closest of friends. Came, Drove out to California together, and he connected up with Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda was doing research for a little movie called Captain Marvel, except they wouldn't let him use that name. Captain America, excuse me. Wouldn't let him use that name. Marvel wouldn't let him use that name. So it became, I think, uh, Easy Rider. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he was doing research on the youth revolution. So Brandon and Peter and I go down to the Sunset Strip to
0: protest a curfew that was happening. Isn't that crazy? A a curfew on the Sunset Strip? Uh, I mean, it's it's, it's insane. Yeah,
1: to keep kids... From, you know staying up late and smoking cigarettes and dope and protesting the Vietnamese War and it became the Sunset Strip riot okay Brandon gets beaten up uh, Peter gets arrested I was writing for the East Village other at that time so I had a press card I held it up the cops float around me but during that protest we had a sit-down strike where, you know, the, the cops are coming from one side, the sheriff's from the other side, and they're trying to squeeze everybody together and create a riot situation. And so we all just sit down. I sat down on an open issue of the L.A. Free Press. And I pulled it out from under my ass, and I had sat down on a picture of Peter Bergman. And it said, KPFK newsman Peter Bergman interviews returning Vietnam War veterans. I said... Peter's at KPFK, the listener-supported station. So I called him up the next day, and he says, yeah, I'm the Wizard of Oz. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I have a counterculture call-in talk show. that's on from 12 to 3, and it's called Radio Free Oz, and I'm the host, and I'm the Wizard of Oz. I said, come on down, and we'll play on the radio. And that's where it started. I went and joined him. I met the two other guys. Phil Austin, who was producing his show, and David Osman, who was the news director at KPFK at the time, and we discovered we were all fire signs. I'm a Leo. Uh, uh, Peter is a Sagittarian. Dave's a Sagittarian, and Phil Austin is an Aries. And so, and we found that we could improvise together and create comedy together out of thin air on the radio, which meant you we could become any character we wanted, and Bergman would be the straight man. And we just went into outer space and that's and soon we got a record contract and and went into recording in an entirely new way an entirely new way of presenting comedy
0: it was so far ahead of its time which is just you know I mean as I said you know and even with your guys comedy it was very ahead of the comedy team because it wasn't the traditional Smothers Brothers it was different wasn't the
2: the funny guy and the the straight guy and the fat guy and the thin guy yeah it It, it was two smart men Trying to create humor on stage.
0: Which is great because to- I mean, I'm watching comedy, coming. And for both of you guys, I mean, you both have both. Is that why I brought you together? Because I mean, you guys are both very innovative. Well, I mean, yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, yes, I'm not. Yes. I'm not trying to sit there. No, I, no, was, I, I don't know no one wants to sit there and go. Oh, yes, Steve. Yes, no. We are very no. innovative.
2: I, I, I produced a. Well, I'd, I'd met Phil 30 years ago at I think maybe Fred Willard's house or something. Yeah, was Fred a,
0: Willard's house. Did you Marty. know of each other's work when you met?
2: And uh, I. This is. Can I disclose you this? Me, you tell okay. Tell me your story. I <laughs> remember mine. Um, I knew of Fireside Theater, but I knew that all of the hacks in college would memorize fire sign theater and then repeat it to people and they'd repeat it to people. And, um, and I didn't want to beat it to people it be inf- and then they'd repeat it and once they repeat again it and that's say they it again I can i say that again they'd repeat it well, I and think, and yeah. then I, I i thought well i want my humor to be original so i actually purposely did not listen to fire sign theater because i didn't i knew being the mimic that i am that i would be influenced by <laughs> them that.
0: that's so funny and that's that i would
2: funny. steal without knowing i was stealing
0: and it's so you funny know? my girlfriend is used to this now because you know anyone in the entertainment who's done comedy? The right. word hack is is so is yeah. we just use it like we're like the only people right. who use that in our vocabulary. Yeah. And I love when you said I don't want to be a hack about college students because no. it's just great because it's that this is the one univ like that's the one universal word in comedy you don't want to be associated with yeah, hack because yeah, yeah. yeah. then you're like once you call it a hack it's hard to get back out of that.
2: But I, then I knew guys in the dorm who would bring girls over to their room and play fire sign theater and the girls would leave at about 11 o'clock <laughs> and I'd get girls in my room and I would play boss skags and they'd be there the next morning yeah, right, so I said oh right, there's right. a pattern here there's something going on and it's not just me but I, I loved fire sign theater there's a pattern of
1: male male, I, male badness
2: I knew about yes I, I had restless dick <laughs> syndrome and and I, I, I knew that uh, fire sign theater was funny and uh, because people would repeat it to me but I heard it more Mostly through word of mouth or secondhand because I wasn't listening to the albums. Again, I didn't want to steal. I I wanted my comedy to be original. And then when uh, Mac and I got together, it was quite simple. Uh, I made a list of things I could do. He made a list of things he could do. And we tried to integrate them into an act. And and that was it. And I did voices, and he did faces. And, and you had both musically. He, musical he, he musical played ability. guitar. You know.
0: Now, what was it like? Because you guys did the Tonight Show very quick in your career. yeah yeah. And then when it was you did a the year th-
2: and a half after we got at, together, which, which is
0: amazing. I mean, I, you it know, and, and what? As I always tell people, you know, the younger people I talk to. They don't know the the what the Tonight Show was oh, back then. Man. Like oh, I mean, what how it changed. I mean, you could be. I mean, Tom Dreeson was on, and he said how he was went from like sleeping in his car to doing Tonight Show, getting yeah. agent William Morris signing right away. What happened with you guys when you did your first Tonight Show, and it was so quick. I mean, and that, you know, in comedy wise, a year and a half is very very quick. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, fast. That's yeah. but you guys are both you know had backgrounds, and you were a prof- you worked in the profession you know as a jeweler, so you knew. You guys uh, were grounded. You were mature. So you weren't like, oh, I'm just going to we go We were screw both around. 30. Yeah. So you were, it was yeah. older for a comic. Yeah. What was that like though when you guys first went on tonight's show? I mean, how did your life change?
2: I'll never forget. Well, I'll never forget the feeling of standing behind that gold curtain and hearing him say your name. There was nothing like that in the world because I had lived for that all my life. I'd always wanted to be Johnny Carson and then uh, to hear him say, uh, and then afterwards I saw him or ran into him in the hall. You know, he doesn't interact with you very much or he didn't. And he just uh, said to me, he looked at me, he said, uh, it's great when it works, isn't it? And I said, <laughs> yeah, it really is, Mr. Carson. I just wanted to say hello. You know, and he's like, all the way down the hall by that time. But um, And then the second time we did it, uh, equally as thrilling, um, what it did for us is um, Peggy Fleming, the ice skater, saw us on The Tonight Show. Uh, she had an ice show that was opening at Harris Lake Tahoe. and She told her guy to contact our guy at William Morris and put us in the ice show. So all of a sudden we were in an ice show at Harris Lake Tahoe and I met Peggy's choreographer, this woman named Sarah Kawahara, and we've been together for the last 30 years. Isn't it Uh, crazy? I I, I always
0: say how like relationships sometimes happen. It's so, I mean, it's just like if you had not sat in there and, and gone and basically Done the radio thing and and if and just think if you did we, the radio thing and you sucked yeah he would never came back would never came to you and said hey said let's do this no. and a year and a half later but i mean just i mean william morris did they signed you like the next day after we you did went the to new york
2: uh, all the comics who saw us in fort lauderdale the comic strip said god there's nobody like you in new york there's buddy and bobby and they're really funny but they're not like you guys you guys just bring a whole new dimension to the comedy team thing and um so we believed him we bought it and uh some guy hired us to work in St. Petersburg, and uh, that's the closest we've been to New York in years. we would both been living in Key West for the last five, six years. And um, bingo, we drove to New York and got up at Catch Rising Star, got up a comic strip, and next thing we knew, Brian Dubin from William Morris said, uh, we'd like to meet with you, and we'd like to sign you, and they signed us, and then you know sent us out to the West Coast to do the Tonight Show, and then... We got uh, Solid Gold. We were the comedians on Solid Gold.
0: I remember. I, I we love took that took over show. Marty
2: Cohen. We were sandwiched between Marty Cohen and Jeff Altman uh, because every every five or six shows they change comics. So we we did that stint, and then a guy named Ronnie Greenberg, God bless his heart, he's a a game show producer, and we're still best friends to this day. He uh, decided that we would do a great sketch comedy show, so he created Comedy Break. And what we did was 125 half hours, and with six writers, we would shoot seven shows a week. It was daunting, but we brought Jan Hooks on the show as a regular. We brought Kevin Pollock on the show as a regular. And then we bring people like Fred Willard and Tom Poston and Mary Fran and all these old comics on and put them in Ruth Buzzy, and put them in sketches and and they were they loved it because yeah here they were this is where they started right. sketch comedy so here they were doing sketch comedy and and they'd read the scripts the day before go yeah i'll do this yeah sure okay and it was really a seat of the pants operation but wow what a great experience
1: yeah well, that was be working a live you know, that was like live television it was at it's time yeah. right well you
0: sketch know. i mean like just the variety show and sketch shows were great i mean you know you yep. think about it i mean carl burnett if you know if you talk to someone who Who's over 40 and they didn't like Kyle Burnett, you don't want to talk to them. That's yeah, like, true. you're not, I mean, you're like, you sit there go, if they say, oh, that was stupid, you're like, you're stupid. Harvey I mean Quick, Carol um,
2: Burnett story. Uh, we went oh, out to, yeah. to the Viacom offices, uh, Viacomese, uh, because yeah. they were the enemy of comedy. That's what we call Viacom. them. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, we want to do another season. And Max said, I don't want to do another season without another writer. He said, we can't afford a writer. And uh, meanwhile, I had been paying the Scully brothers out of my own pocket now the scully brothers went on to do the simpsons and uh family guy right you know brian scully and his brother mike and i was paying them 25 bucks a joke and 50 cents for or 50 bucks for a sketch they were living out of their car you know and so i i paid them out of my own pocket because we needed writers so badly we went in to do another season another 75 shows he said I can't give you another writer, Mac said, but then I can't do the show, and he stormed out of the office. I came chasing Mac out of the office. I said, what the heck did you just do? You just turned down another season. He said, I just can't do it, Jamie. I just can't do it.
1: He's burning out.
2: And he said, I'm burning out. I said, well, man, I don't want you to burn out. And then this woman with gray hair walks up to us at the elevator bank. She says, excuse me, are you Mac and Jamie? And I said, yeah. She said, I'm Carol Burnett. I'm a huge fan. Wow.
1: What? From burnout to Burnett.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and she, she said, "What are you guys doing here?" And I said, "Well, we just quit the show." She said, "No, no, 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 you can't do that. Come on, let me talk to you guys." We stood there and talked to her for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, we really thought that Viacom was going to come back to us with another writer, but they never did.
0: Uh, so it was kind of sad.
2: But then we moved on and just you know opened for Diana Ross and uh, had a, a great career doing shows here and there. And then we found the corporate market, which where we mm-hmm. could work clean. Right, and we were clean comics, and there weren't a lot of places for clean comics to work except the corporate market, and corporate market paid very well.
0: Right, I've it. And, yeah. and they did and, a
2: lot of, of uh, ship ship work too. And then okay. we did a lot of ship work. Cruise work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, now both of you guys have done a lot of voice work. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. Now, now, at what point yeah, did both. you decide to get into the voice work? And it must be great now. Because in the last at least 20 years, because there are so many video games. I mean, yeah. back back. I mean, back oh, when yeah. video games started, you wouldn't, Pong, yeah. you can't do, you can't voice a Pong. No. But were you guys actively sought, both of you, for the video, yeah. for the video well, games? Yes, yeah. I do a lot of them.
1: Right, right yeah. now, he can tell you about his, but right now I'm on the Batman Arkham Knight. Okay. Uh, I play Simon Stagg, the businessman villain on that game, and I was in, in, uh, 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 Credence, not Creedence Clearwater, Assassin's Creed. Rolling, okay. rolling. I was I was Dr. Vidic the major villain on that for four years and of course I had 14 years as Howard on the Rugrats and I am the drunken French monkey in the doctor do movies I am a social drinker and uh, <laughs> and lots of you know I've done thousands of voices for film and television uh, yeah. in, in ADR and and commercials and stuff and Mac uh, I mean, Jamie had a big hit as a talking parrot in a long-running campaign.
2: Oh, that was my first gig. My my agent from that William was your first gig. Jeff Chef Witches, called me and said, James, they're looking for a talking parrot for Whiskers Cat Food. I said, Jeff, I don't do talking parrots. <laughs> I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. <laughs> it was kind of like that Dustin Hoffman twisty right. thing. You know? Oh, yeah. Can't be a
1: tomato. Can't be a tomato.
2: So he said, just just try it. Just So I went in. And I did the silly little French voice for this parrot. And the damn thing ran for four years and made me a lot of money. Isn't that great? And I go, okay, kitty cats, read my beak. No more birds for dinner. Remember, (laughs) love thy... And my ad lib was, remember, love thy neighbors, don't eat them. And that became the tag of all four years of the commercials and carried us through that. And then... I started looping for Sean Connery, and I did Hunt for Red October, for God's sake. Yeah, I worked and, on and that I did... film, too. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You,
0: you, you started looping. So after, after they record it, you would go in and do... The, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: I would go in and do the picture. the looping. That's what ADR is. Now, ADR. How,
0: voices. how does how does that happen? That like, how fun. how do they find you? Like, I mean, there's audition for this, that did it, Is it an audition where they say we need yeah. someone to come in to do well, a shot? Well, I got Connery? into
1: a film because I speak Russian. Okay. So I was, and and this was in the late '70s, early '80s. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. What, uh, Hunt for Red October. So I'm standing in a room with all these ex-Soviet these Jewish uh, Russians who had gotten the hell out of the Soviet union, mm-hmm. actors and clowns and you name it. And, and we're all singing the Soviet national anthem. Oh, that's a catchy tune. <laughs> yeah. That is catchy, catchy
0: tune. I, want, I want to Steve, hear that in a game. <laughs> Steve and I almost started
1: singing along. Yeah. I yeah. took my
0: hat off. <laughs> <laughs> right, right,
1: right. So, so, I mean, it was very surrealistic, but, uh, but it was also a heck of a lot of fun. And they were telling stories about Sean Connery because they said that when Sean yeah, Connery, did, Oh, Oh, yeah. So I hear Sean Connery as the Russian captain for the first time. And I said to the ADR director, I said, it's wonderful. You got Sean Connery in the movie. When is he going to come in and overdub it with a Russian accent?
2: That's right. He yeah.
1: said, uh, oh, no, no, no. He said, mm. it's Sean Connery. Yeah, sure. I said, yeah, but how do you explain the fact that he that he doesn't have a Russian accent? Oh, he's Latvian. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I said, oh, the Latvian. Burr. Yes. Oh, I forgot. He was educated much. in Oxford. <laughs> in edinburgh he's latvian but he went to school in edinburgh and he used to do he used to do his adr work holding his arms out to the side so there wouldn't be any uh any rustling of clothes uh
0: okay we didn't
1: see him do it but there was a story i did alec baldwin in that movie did you i did uh then i went on
2: to do john lennon in a movie called backbeat no kidding that was a bit of fun because he had to do a young john oh you know a young john was very different from the older john and and then uh, I just kind of got a a, a a reputation yeah in the business for if you need a utility voice you need it somebody was a
1: smaller industry a when smaller. we got into yeah, it, it twenty thirty years ago yeah and they knew who you were. And they wanted to work with you, and it was very well, I'm friendly. Getting, I'm
2: getting all the Harrison Fords now because I did Ender's Game.
1: Wait, wait, and, he's uh, calling you right now with a gig. Yeah, I think. well, that's how Harrison. Harrison Ford's calling. Yeah, you? He well, he he got the Harrison Ford gig because of that little accident that Harrison had. Uh, Most so recently, he did Harrison Ford again. And uh, what did you do? You just had to I clip did the trailers? That one? No, but you just had to clip that one fuel line? Was that all it was? Yeah, yeah. That's all it was.
2: <laughs> one this one snip. Simple. And I, I, you never know whether it's the red one or the yellow one. Yeah, well, so I took a you chance. You did them both. You did them yeah, both. I did you them know. both. Now,
0: I got a question for you. How do you, because you do these impressions and they're dead on, how do you know if they're good and how long does it take you to make them good? Can you, like, if you hear a voice, can you write off the bat, like, let's say someone says, do, you know, depends whatever. on the voice. So it's so, like
2: somebody said, do Donald Trump this morning. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to give that some thought.
0: Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, just a just placement
1: of it. I'd match philosophically, whether
2: I want to do Donald Trump or not, but yeah. you
1: know, I, I did. I matched it, the voice of of uh, 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 Jack Lemmon. Okay. In, oh, I can hear that in you. Yeah, well, so when so I you, was a younger actor, I used to be reviewed as a young Jack Lemmon all the time. Sure. I wish I had his career. I, I adore Jack Lemmon. As and, an actor. and Chris's show, by the way, is it's wonderful. I know. I, I, love I heard to see it's Chris great. Lemmon's it was just show. in L.A. about yeah. a few months ago. And by fantastic. the
0: way, I'm
1: doing Richard Nixon in a film this weekend. Called Sammy Gate, which is all about his relationship with Sammy Davis Jr.
0: So yeah, that's great. I, it's yeah. just so it's so great because you guys. Because so, you, but it takes sometimes. Is there some voices that have eluded you that you sat there and you said, yes. "God, I want to do that." And it, does yes. does it consume you? Because like anything, if you do a voice, you have to be somewhat of a I think
1: I think that's more of a question for Jamie because I've done Jack Nicholson and I've done various. I can if I can hear a voice in a in a recording session, a looping session, I can usually match it. Enough to be able to throw in some lines. This happens because the major stars aren't always available to right. do their looping work, right? You know? Uh, and, and sometimes it just consists of
0: ah!
1: right. You know? yeah. They <laughs> but, said,
2: no, no, you're falling to the left. Yeah. <laughs> they just, you, ah! you, you fell to the right on that
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but other times it does call for an accurate uh, uh, voice match.
2: Yes, I did uh, well, I did Ronnie Reagan for uh, many years, see and uh i hope i never forget how to do that knock on wood (laughs) oh man hello someone's (laughs) at the door steve and um and of course one of my favorites is george burns i i I love i become george burns when i start doing george and 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 he does this show goodnight gracie and i think one day if i'm old enough and short enough and become jewish (laughs) I can do
1: the show. And learn to smoke (laughs) cigars. Because that's
2: what the producer told me. I actually auditioned for that show. He said, you're too tall, you're too young, and you're going... He said, I, not, I can't hire you. So Frank Frank, worshiped And you go, him, go home.
0: Yeah. Now, have you guys <laughs> ever have you guys ever run into people that you've done the impressions of, and then they sit there, have they given you a hassle at all? Like no. Nope, or someone nope. said, or have they, I don't know, come company said, man, I love how you how I how you did my Paul voice. Paul Lynn loved it, right? Paul Lynn. He loved right. it when he I was did yeah. it. Was I love Paul Lynn.
2: Been working on my, on my house. I went to the hardware store, and I said, I'd like someone before Pine. The guy said, sure, no problem. You want a tongue and groove? I said, no, thanks. I think I'll just spend a quiet evening home alone.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And, um,
2: and 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 the the one that I did, I did Tom Brokow to Tom Brokow once. Oh you and did? and that was fun. He was I was doing Tom Brokow actually, and in the next studio at NBC New York was Tom. Oh my goodness. Getting in he was in the makeup chair, and somebody said Tom's in the makeup chair. And I just went in and I had some salad. And I said, uh, excuse me, Tom. I have this oregano salad that I just can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can help me out, Uh, and or maybe we could discuss total bilateral nuclear disarmament.
1: Oh, you didn't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went. Are you making fun of me? I said. <laughs> no, that would be too <laughs> easy. <laughs> <laughs> and we we just we hit it off. I mean, oh, he was just cute. really easy going about it, and um. That was one of the most fun ones I ever did other uh, because Paul and and I became friends actually. yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and uh, so you guys said you met 30 years ago at Fred Willard's
1: house yeah I want to hear because your new project it, is really cool well so. I, I knew just... I knew his rep I knew Mac and Jamie's reputation because I was Proctor and Bergman at that time we had uh, had gone off on a slightly separate career from the fireside theater because we wanted to perform and the other two guys live knew, live, live. Yeah. Uh, Phil Austin just passed away like a month ago so uh, he's very very sad because we we'd become very close We become Phil and Phil I was the other Phil and he was the Phil and, and we we used to go up and my wife and I and hang out with Una and Phil in their compound up on Fox Island and just have more laughs than you could possibly believe and of course Peter Bergman and I were close for so many 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 years Uh, and and then he passed away first three years ago of leukemia and then cancer got Austin as well which is really terrible so David and I are still around but but Peter and I were on the road and we were two smart guys on the road and we heard about these other two smart guys on the road Mac and Jamie and so we followed their career went to see them when they or I certainly went to see them when they were performing in town Mm -hmm. and got to know them professionally as well as personally yeah but uh, I think our, our meeting at Fred Willard's uh, more of a. So, the Willards are still the most social people in
0: town. I got to ask you what kind of what kind of comedy uh, planet is that where you guys are Dynamic. there at Fred Willard's? I mean, yeah. who else is there? I mean, that's just like if you're oh, if you if oh, you want to study comedy, that's like that's like that's like a. a, a Con, yeah studying ground yeah i mean what kind of, i mean how is it like the beer party with just all these legends Bluestein also was yeah there. Steve He's great. Uh, rick overton would show
1: up uh paul yeah. wilson who is a comedic and a, a wonderful improvisationary yeah. comedian and, and did a lot of work with gary shandling gary shandling uh uh, uh what's his name oh god so many people uh uh, uh fernwood tonight who was the host of fernwood tonight. martin mull yeah, martin Malt. Malt. yeah. Mar- of course of course fred and martin Right. <laughs> We're back. Now Martin has his terrific career as a painter. You know, he's an yeah. he's a surrealist, realist painter. Okay. And he and he always has been absolutely brilliant. And then uh,
2: Edie McClure show up. Edie McClure. and a whole court.
1: Oh, a whole and bunch of people from the Groundlings, brilliant. you know, brilliant. in the Second City. And yes, there is a comic fraternity. Larry Hankin, you know. Yeah, I I made a point
2: of keeping up with Phil. And uh, he totally ignored me for years and years and years, <laughs> and just pretended I wasn't even on the same planet. But I I pers- I persevered, and uh, I made a um, a comedy album, a Mac and Jamie comedy album called Extreme Channel Surfing. I had a copy in the car, and I'm going to get you a copy before the the week is out. Um, anyway, I made it, and it's a studio recording. There's it's not live comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's really a studio a la Firesign Theater. Theater. And I contacted Phil and I said, I just want you to know I'm making this CD and it's more of an homage to Firesign Theater than it is trying to, you know, follow in your footsteps. It's just, it really is because you were so great at that genre that we're going to take a shot at it too. And, uh... We kind of rekindled our friendship, yeah, okay. and then he said he was in a show in the Ant- Antillas Theater, yeah, and which he's a member of, and my wife and i went down to see the show and after the show we went out for a
1: cocktail
2: <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we're sitting there and i said so how's your life now that the uh, bergman's gone and he said well how's your life now that max moved to louisville and i said mm. i'm i'm really bored i am bored out of my gourd dude because you guys
0: do a lot of voice work and all this and stuff but it's also you know, you guys aren't really Let's getting to... Isolation, you, you yeah, you you know? not, you're not getting to flex that comedy trap. You're chop, not bouncing you guys, off of each other. Yeah, thing, you, you, you I, both oh, came I, from I, a partnership. I did, I
1: did voices for Inside Out most recently.
0: Right. Yeah, know? I mean, so yeah. I'm saying, but for that though, but you guys never... You weren't getting to flex that comedy muscle no, in nope. your own creative no, view. You and really you guys were. both come from a background of comedy team or sketch yes, that's right so it's very important I'm sure for the creative that, that process. Chemistry so I said important. well
2: the whole thing now is YouTube and Facebook I said you know we could try to get a pilot or a sizzle reel but why don't we just put our comedy out there and see who salutes it and so uh, we got together and we came up with this conceit of uh, reading out of the newspaper to each other on a park bench and being boomers and coming from that perspective of having cataract operations, having pacemakers, having, you know, all the things that we as young people uh, never expected would happen to us True. is happening to us right now. And and all the causes that we lived for, the Vietnam War, well, that's over. Um, the, There's always uh, some war it, to be it's against. It's always <laughs> something. But, you know, the ecology, we never won that one. No. But no. we did get marijuana passed, and we did yeah. get, you know, there's so many Slowly things
1: that, we turn. that our
2: generation did accomplish that we set out to do, but there's many things. So we try to we tr- reflect upon that, and then we talk about the millennials and 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 how everything's an acronym these days. It's and we're LOL basically, and, you know,
1: we're basically reading off the surrealism that's in the news these days. Yeah.
2: It, the crazy. I mean, you can't make it any. Trump is
1: Trump it. is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, but it's called Boomers on the bench. Boomers on a bench. And uh, you can reach it on YouTube, access Uh, it on YouTube and Facebook. Now, bloomers on the
0: bench. I don't want to see bloomers (laughs) on the bench. (laughs) Well, we hang those in the back.
1: (laughs) We're working
2: on uh, it. Yeah, and and next week, uh, we're not next week, but next season, which will start up in September, uh, we're going to have guests on, and we want you to be one of the guests. Uh, We want to get Fred Willard on. We want to get Weird Al on. We just want to have people on the bench with us that we can then bounce off of.
1: Uh, yeah, and, well, and, and believe me, these things are only three minutes long. Now, I mean, they're, they're yeah, but then quick. we're going to do a thing called Off the Bench, which would be like a little interview with you. You yeah. can talk about comedy and just about anything, other, what's going on in the world, what you, strikes you as funny. But, uh, but the idea of being able to write these sketches, as we do these little pieces, and uh, then stick them in the newspaper – and play off of them and improvise off of them that's a gift that both of us have Mm -hmm. and it makes for terrific chemistry and great fun my wife melinda peterson directs us she always has great suggestions like what did you mean by that i don't understand that joke you know (laughs) Uh, and we have andy thomas is our, our our crew our photographer our editor our lighting yeah so we got like four people who basically do it and that makes it clean and easy and uh, no editorializing you know and mm-hmm. it was really based on a skit that form that that uh, Jamie created for their radio their pardon me their television show mm-hmm. okay reading off the newspapers on a bench so it's a great hook very easy way to, to present comedy and you can put the scripts inside the newspaper right
0: yeah <laughs> you know so go what, what's your guys writing process i mean is it do you sit down and collaborate in yep. person, or do you sometimes? Because now I, it's it's like it's changed so much. That, person. Yeah, because now the Skype and all this stuff. I mean, I it, you can it's a lot easier to communicate. would you guys make it a point to sit down and get yes. together yes. and say yes. we got to That's what, ser-
2: we searched the net for silly news, yep. for points of departure, for And good he's, he's touching
1: his little laptop right now. He's patting his little lovely laptop because this this is the portable. The the portable writing studio library, our, you know, it's just, everything.
2: Yeah, so we, we so, just
1: we just wrote a the the first pilot for this show with Fraser Smith on KLOS, uh, uh, up at uh, Delhi, up at our our Delhi. Yeah,
2: you know, it, I, I we write together so easily, and when you say what's the writing process, I'm loath to identify what it is that creates the with. magic when we're in the writing room, but what we'll do is we'll take something that's a point of departure. Like theme these, of some these sort walking horses that had the runs. Uh, that was funny to Tennessee us. Right. walking
1: horses that had They had runs. the runs. So we we just kind of riffed on that and looked for more animals in the news. Yeah, and built a little segment based on that. Yeah. And a lot and, a lot of times like, you know, the physical things that happen to you as you get older. We talk about that. I think the one you're going to post on Thursday is uh, take my meds, please. Yeah. Which is yeah. about, well, you know, all these pills we
0: have to take. I'm, I'm on three <laughs> meds, and because uh, I had a, I, I had a oh. heart. I mean, I, I had a heart problem a while ago, yeah. and you know, you're not, and I'm I'm you 51, and you're not, you're not used to like meds. I mean, I when you're 51, yeah,
2: well, you look a lot older than uh, that thanks. on the radio. <laughs> uh,
0: no, what's funny is when, and you don't think about stuff like that when no. you have to when you have to go out and actually buy a pill box and, I'm, yeah, and then yeah, you're like yeah, you're yeah. like i don't want to smell i'll go to the 99 cent store and you're like then they're the crappy pill box like no you did oh, Monday them. through Sunday. you forget you forget you have to put yeah, them you, out and you look and oh that's... i
1: didn't take my pills on and, tuesday and
0: right? now because <laughs> everyone's everyone's on medication now that it's like it's that's so proud i mean it's what you guys yeah. talk about
2: it's a lot more expensive than the drugs we took in school oh, i know <laughs> yeah. it's crazy it's i mean crazy. I, but I, I try to limit myself to two meds a day i take ambien and viagra yeah, the ambient helps me sleep through the night, and the Viagra <laughs> keeps me from rolling out of bed.
0: So he's got it worked but out. You got it awesome. By the way, I'm
1: turning 75 uh, on July 28th.
0: See, that's awesome. Now, not, yeah. and what's great is that you guys are also you're very involved in the uh, social media. Which, you know, because, I mean, my mom, and now she has Alzheimer's, and she's 88. But when oh, you know, right. but you know, a few years ago, she's like, I want to get on Facebook. I'm like, Mom, yeah, you're yeah. 80. You know, whatever. You're not yeah, going to get no, on Facebook. I, mean, I said, on. you know, because none of her friends are on it. I'm thinking, you know, but it's I'm great saying, fun. but you guys, you guys are very active in it. And yeah. it's, I think it's the entertainment part of you, because we have to stay young. I Absolutely. Mean, so, I mean, like with the YouTube, I mean, I can't, I mean, did, did, are you are you happier on YouTube? I mean, is, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's great. Oh, sure. I love it. And right sure. freedom
1: and... and that- to be able to visualize you know the comic ideas I mean I've been writing Planet Proctor for like 30 years and you can go to planetproctor.com and see, see the archives it's and brilliant. and that was what I did to keep me from going crazy when my, my I wasn't out on the road with the fire sign or writing albums with the fire sign anymore and and all this funny stuff is is happening in front of me what am I gonna do and all this funny stuff is coming through the internet you know share it clean it edit it put it together in a funny way find a theme mm-hmm. uh, you know get and then I connected with a wonderful visual artist named Christopher Gross, who, who has, has made Planet Proctor into a visual delight That's as great. well. You know, I love
2: getting it. I, yeah. I look forward to and it And the every next month.
1: issue I'm dedicating to Phil Austin. It'll be called Planet Austin. And uh, I just sent him a whole bunch of pictures of Phil from my own archives. And it's going to be a very beautiful edition with a lot of tributes that other people have written to Phil's career. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the theme for this particular one. But it, it's one of the things that keeps me sane. Yeah, you know, because I, I I know that uh, that comic ideas flow from it.
2: I went off and formed a foundation and raised money for nonprofits and schools. Okay. And to keep you sane.
1: Uh, huh? That keep
2: keeps me sane. sane. Yeah, that kept me sane. And now I'm do, I'm doing uh, next week I start Special Olympics. I'm the announcer for the tennis.
0: Okay, to, my girlfriend. will be fun. Volunteered. She's working all weeks. Yeah. Oh, that's the convention. great. It's Jeez. funny though. I was sitting there because she volunteered. Tell her to
2: stop by the tennis. I
0: will. Because what's funny about it was I was sitting there and she's like. It's all downtown at the Comanche Center. Uh-huh. So she's so perfect. We live in Burbank. She's drive to North Hollywood sure. to take the subway. Well, the, the thing is, though, when you have to pick up all your credentials, it's all way out in Carson. And she's like, oh, really? I don't want to drive. The, it's going to take yeah. me an hour. And I was thinking, well, just call him and tell him to mail it to you. You're yeah. volunteering. And she's like, I don't want to do that. Unless well, she you're didn't gonna have visit.
2: to. She could have gone to the uh bank on saturday and picked up everything yes yeah. that's what i did
0: really Wait, what yeah
2: you... in downtown at uh, flower and fifth oh.
0: she didn't know about that i'm not going to yeah. tell her because then she'd be like what do you mean yeah. <laughs> so you're announcing so now what made you get involved with special olympics Any he's spe- saying special reason? um
2: well my wife choreographed scott hamilton's entire career <laughs> and uh, the ice skater and he's involved in special okay. olympics and he got me involved years ago as a celebrity when i had a tv series and then um uh, through a connection uh, my wife also choreographed the opening and closing ceremonies of the Salt Lake City Olympics for which she received her second Emmy and uh, so she uh, worked with a guy named Brian Clavenow and Brian is one of those dudes who goes from the uh, Commonwealth Games to the uh, Olympic Games to the wow. he just he's a game guy he wow. organizes games wow. all over the world and uh, he called me up he said Jamie I need a tennis announcer and i can't think of anybody better than you and i said i'm there i'm there for you are right? you a,
0: are you a tennis fan
2: uh well yeah yeah i'm a tennis player
0: are you are you good yeah
2: he's more of a uh, golf player than more so, of a golfer now uh uh yeah i, I don't
1: uh, but he plays golf with a racket that's very it, unusual yeah. he's just,
2: but boy that ball soars it really does Putting's tough
1: Putting yeah, is, is a bitch now
0: i know a while ago you were doing some uh work at, at jr's and then this Oh uh, yeah, I the see. comedy club. And, yeah, and then there was another. I know Randy started another club up in. Uh, it, it was...
2: Well, Valencia has JRs, and it's. Uh, I I actually uh, wrote the slugline. Uh, Come for the pie, stay for the laughs. Okay, because yeah. oh. they hold it at a Marie Calendar's. Ah,
0: and um, I, I performed there once And so, I, I got to pop- Oh my god yeah. I don't It's a little a dangerous on. isn't it oh, Performing yeah. in comedy in a pie
2: store <laughs> And then um, So Randy Lubis from Ventura Harbor Comedy Club And I are very good friends And he called me and he said Jamie uh, my wife has some issues With her mom's health And uh, I need somebody to host the show in Valencia So I drove out to Valencia every weekend And hosted the show and I had a blast
0: What was it like being on stage by yourself
2: I loved it I loved it I really enjoyed it uh, I much prefer being on stage with somebody else I think uh, but I I made the best of it and I, I really enjoyed it I, I made the audience my partner uh, That's basically great. and uh, the, the big thrill of it for me was that I got to meet all these up-and-coming comics the Brian mm-hmm. Kiley's and the uh, uh, Quinn dolls and uh, people uh, Brandon invest people I didn't know Taylor Williamson there's so many great
0: young comics so well, he there. went to win America's Got Talent Taylor yeah
2: mm. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he did and um, yeah there's just a lot of great talent out there and and so I I got to perform with you know uh,
0: Jack Mayberry
2: right and, I, I
0: did a guest that when he's there one yeah, night. yeah
2: and Johnny DeCrosta and, and DiResta right you know and all the uh, oldies but goodies but then the young guys would come out and do middle acts and opening acts and I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed stretching my comic muscle up there on stage
0: now, what's it like for you guys?
1: Oh, I would have liked to have seen
2: that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow, yeah. me too. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny.
0: What's it like when, because, you know, you had the albums and you had the TV yeah. show. And, and back then it was when it was. And we toured all of the. Yeah, place, just you know? no one could make a comedy album. Now it seems like everybody makes a comedy album. Well, I mean, it it, it irritates me sometimes because yeah. when I was a comic and I did it for eight years and I was on the road and I ended up headlining some D clubs, I everything, mean, like mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, not many. It was was hard to get an album back then. I mean, you know, like Stephen Wright would come out with an album, or people with cassette. I would get them a cassette. Steve Martin. Yeah, I mean, but what's it like now when you sit there? Because you guys really, you guys did, and with your TV show and stuff, you guys really busted your your ass and you wanted a good product. Do you ever sit there and go, what the hell is going on when someone who's done comedy for like no time can sit there and go, Oh, I'm going to make an album when you know they only have like eight minutes and, and I mean, of is,
2: original stuff
0: exactly But yeah, if, I mean, how does that feel because you, you know you guys have been in the well, business it's,
1: this it's, is, But it's all it's all much it's, more. It's it's really more short form now than it than it used to yeah. be I mean the fact that the Fireside Theater used to be able to do a, a, a Two-sided album right right that was, and was the DJ's 40, would play both yeah, 45 sides forty-five yeah. minutes long, <laughs> you know of a, of a, of a complicated comedic a surrealistic story with multi-leveled sound effects and music and original sounds and everything that it it was played on the radio because of the FM revolution that happened at the same time was absolutely astonishing it was a miracle it was a miracle and we also got into that part of the business when the LP when the recording industry took off now today it's pretty much uh, open your laptop iTunes yeah go go to iTunes uh, listen to a snippet of something or watch somebody you know a little comedy uh, thing uh, and and I, I really don't find it anywhere near as engaging or interesting you know it's just a different media form it's a different platform well I think one of the biggest differences is it's harder to find good
2: people well anybody can find an audience now
1: that's very true and
2: and I had to wait to get hired
1: to yeah, do a comedy
2: club or to do a corporate gig, as did Steve, yeah. or as did you and Peter, to do, you, to, you know, yeah, had records. to get on a plane and fly someplace, That's and right. make uh, maybe 300 people laugh at the Birmingham Comedy Club, yep. and now uh, you're on YouTube, and you know I don't know how many hits we have now, but I know we have over 6,000 subscribers, yep. and, uh, and and you know and I use forgive me, but I use my daughter as an example, she's a songwriter and a, a singer. She has I almost just, 3 million views on her most recent uh, music video. Almost 3, 3 million. million people I've seen it that's more people than probably saw it, me in my entire career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, different game it's a It's a whole game. different I so I don't it's apples and oranges Steve I don't think you can compare the two and I and I think that what Phil and I have realized is that we have to move with the times and that we uh, we have to try to get some sort of uh syndicated a thing or Jew celebrity or a you know, blog we and, renew and, our refresh our celebrity <laughs> as a matter of fact we're here today to take over your podcast
1: <laughs> all right uh that's uh i'm i'm there i said i'm
0: going to help me 100 it's uh,
1: yeah. So, but, but you know, listen, being on the yeah. road was was great fun. <laughs> well, hey,
0: hey, see that? He already, he already <laughs> called the producers, we, we, and they're calling saying I told saying you not to call a, me here. What? They're saying the <laughs> <A> Burning <laughs> sensation.
1: <Take her. laughs> I don't remember you. But remember, first of all, when when you were making records in the old days, you were making money from it. Right. Right. You know, we sold millions and millions of records uh, in the Fireside Theater, and we you know, made a comfortable living from it. And then we go out and tour and and enjoy our celebrity. Liberty and mm-hmm. make money that way, and go and sign records in the record stores, sell yep. more records, you know, get on the radio, talk about things. It was an exciting, involved life, but it also had its dangers. Peter and I survived the Golden Dragon massacre in San Francisco in 1976. Well, that's a great
2: story. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to tell it, are you? No,
1: I shouldn't tell the whole
0: story. You better tell it. <laughs> we don't even, we have like five minutes left.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, oh, I do. I can tell you very Truncated. quickly. Truncated. It was. It was the Zhou Fong gang versus the Watching gang, two okay. Chinese rival gangs. And they had had a turf war, and somebody got killed. So we finished a show, and we found one place open, the Golden Dragon, because they were open till like 3 o'clock in the morning. We went and we ordered our food, and I'm just bending over my second uh, helping of soup when I hear bang, bang, scratch, crash, scream, scream, and I feel stuff flying over my head. And I look up. And I see these three guys, one with a BAR, automatic rifle, one with a shotgun, one with a pistol, and they just killed two people in front of us, the table in front of us. And they were after a a, a gang that was sitting in the table to the left of us, behind us. But I don't think they knew it, because those guys went right under the table, and they, they were shooting for, oh, it went on for a minute the bar would never stop firing bam 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 and i remember when i heard the shooting go into another part of the restaurant i went i was relieved I had dropped immediately under the table and was hiding behind the steel column on the table. I had learned that morning that my wife was pregnant. Oh, wow. So I'm lying under the table with, you know, the imminent death and the possibility of death and life. And I actually thought to myself, well, life is responsibility. Death is no responsibility. At this yin and yang moment, and I just surrendered to whatever would happen, and both Peter and I got out fine, but the fellow who brought us in uh, was wounded. He still carries a bullet behind his knee, Uh, a machine gun Slug, and, uh, and later we found out that it was this gang war, but it had been predicted to me by a, an old girlfriend of mine uh, named Sharon, who I had I'd reconnected with when I was performing at the Bitter End in New York, oh. and she told me, said, you and Peter will be involved in a gangland shooting, people will be killed and wounded around you, and you and Peter will get out okay. That's amazing. She told me that like two months before it happened. And then the, it fort- wasn't, it wasn't the fortune, fortune cookie, <laughs>
0: cookie <laughs> said, "Don't eat here tonight." Yeah, know, that's right. right. Wait, oh my! I should have opened this before <laughs> I sat <laughs> down. <But>
1: fortune <laughs>
2: cookie said, "Your your body will be found by dogs." <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. mine said, "Order the
0: duck." <laughs> <laughs> so now, would was, you would you guys ever do the Boomers Live? Have you ever thought about like, have you talked sure, about that? we've
1: been asked to do the yeah, Boomers Live, asked, and it's yeah. it's it's a possibility. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's been uh, one of the things that's really nice about this platform, being able to do things on YouTube and to get these the, these videos out to people every week, is that you build an audience much mm-hmm. more rapidly than you could in the past. You know, yeah. I mean, Firesign Theater, our first record, did not sell a lot. And uh, a guy named John McClure went in and fought for us and said, these guys are going to be huge. You don't, don't fire them. Wow. Let them do another record. And he gave us a spoken arts contract, okay. which meant we didn't have to pay for studio time. That was the secret that allowed us to do all of our complicated uh, media stuff.
2: Is that what enables us to be here today? Yeah, probably. probably. Is a spoken arts contract? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And not get paid for it? No, it's a spoken old farts contract.
0: <laughs> okay. oh, a spoken
2: old farts contract. Okay. So That's good. I like that.
0: The Boomers.
2: Yeah, The Boomers on a
0: Bench. And that yeah. is on now. How do they find people find that?
1: Just what? Google Boomers on a Bench. We're and the home. only ones who have that it's, name. It's on
0: YouTube. Yeah. Now, do you have it's a on website? Vimo.
1: We have, we have a, a website, website
0: yeah. called The Boomers. We have a Facebook page.
1: Yeah, and it's archived. You know, the ones we've done.
0: Now, how many episodes have you done? Ooh, See, oh, gosh. we well, we done?
1: No. We put 25 or so in 25, the pen, yeah. But we've posted maybe a dozen?
2: We've, oh, no. we posted more than that. We've posted 18. It's amazing. And uh, actually, we've got 35. Wow. Because we were banked uh, with stuff until the end of uh, August.
1: See, we'll so go we're... in and do five, four or five or six. Uh, a day. A day. Yeah. And and we're also doing like little boomer bites now, which might become something. Little
2: we, one minute things. That,
1: something that we might be able to monetize by getting an advertiser to drop it into their site. Yeah, I, we'll I wanna, see how I want to thank you
0: guys for coming on. Oh, oh, thanks really for great. having us, well, Steve. we're not really coming. on yet. We're not coming over That's <laughs> later. That's later, people. That's you know, that's <laughs> go that's, that's, that's going to be the next baby boomers. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a a a boomers across across do, do do the coop. It's going to be boomers do <laughs> the coop. Same now, same is, boomer so, married. So, yes, exactly. There you go. So, so the website is
1: boomers on a bench. Okay, and firesidetheater.com Go enjoy.
2: Macandjamie.com. and Do you guys tweet? You can still got our you still got our stuff. I tweet. I
1: Facebook.
0: Yeah, no, do you, are you a Twitter guy? Yeah, I'm in, I am. I'm in at
2: your, I'm in your Facebook. I tweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, don't
0: worry about it. We'll, we'll no, find it. Like, no,
2: it's a, it's it's just my name. It's well, just a personal tweet.
0: Well, I want to thank you guys. People follow them. Uh, f- go to their website. Follow me at CooperTalk. That's at CooperTalk. Go to my website, CooperTalk.net. I have over uh, 390 episodes up there. Wow. Also, wow. go to go to StopTheSalt.com. My uh, cookbook, 120 low recipes, uh, low wow. salt recipes. Just buy it from me. You can get it at Amazon, but if you buy it from me, it's StopTheSalt.com. I'll sign it, and I make more money, and it's got 120 easy recipes, cooking for one, mm. low sodium, will get you healthy, no no list of ingredients or pictures intimidating you, so go buy it. So also, check these guys out. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you guys next week.